Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Something a little different for the Journal of Biophilic Design today. We're interviewing a musician and force for good for the planet, Jarvis Smith. He's frontman of the Phoenix Rose and also founder of My Green Pod and the People, Environment and Achievement Awards, also known as the P Awards. A little about these in a second. Um, but before we do anything, um, later in this podcast, you'll hear a couple of tracks, including one called The Planet. Proceeds from that track goes back to planting trees in a carbon sequestering um project so you can stream it on amazon and spotify and um, it will help boost the revenue so the more you play it the more money will go to these um tree planting projects so links i'll put on the website the journal of biophilicdesign.com forward slash podcasts so make sure you pop on over there and subscribe anyway so back to the beginning jarvis smith media owner of my green pod well-known online platform and magazine it's an online shop my green pod um, is where you can buy all kinds of things like wine soap chocolate clothing shoes stuff for your pets and much more uh, it's a great place if you want to switch up your washing up liquid or want reliable eco alternatives so have a click through um the link that i put on the spiel with the podcast um, and visit mygreenpod.com so many thanks for joining us jarvis oh that's an absolute pleasure thank you for having me I'm, in, I'm intrigued to ask you what you thought to my music because I sent it to you, didn't you? Oh, I absolutely love it. I'm, uh, I feel like I'm transported to a beach somewhere in Jamaica, but then also like sort of sidling off into India. <laughs> You've absolutely nailed it. Well done. I love, I love the visuals to the soundtrack. So my, my Green Pod started off as an ethical lifestyle publication, didn't it? Um, uh, circulated with National Geographic Green in 2009. And now it's distributed to over 77 million people with The Guardian, which I think is fantastic. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you and um, also my Green Pod, please? <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for such a lovely, kind, um, abundant uh uh, introduction it's great so gosh I mean you've said you've covered a lot of it but ultimately I uh, was a bit frustrated with um, you know just generally with the way I was working and the way I was living and so I just started to kind of look into other ways of being and part of that journey took me um, on a, a bit of a spiritual quest funnily enough mm -hmm. and I met this amazing woman who turned out to uh, describe herself as being a shaman um, and she was based in the UK. It wasn't this kind of ayahuascan South American shamanic journey. Um, she was she was really just the wise woman of the village, and the village happened to be Kilburn. And you know, I kind of met this met this person, and um, she became my mentor and my teacher um, for a long time. And so I began to understand, I guess, perhaps the way that we used to live more indigenously on the planet before you know the craziness of consumerism and politics and religion and everything else which kind of dominates most of our lives now um, and and in that journey um, I became a bit of a wacky person that used to kind of talk to trees and you know listen to the earth and all these crazy things but at the same time I was also a musician and a frontman for a band called the Phoenix Rose and I knew quite a lot of people in media so anyway to cut long story short I got approached by uh, a TV researcher 
that said, we are putting a, a show together. It's an eco-observational documentary. We think you'd be a fantastic personality, <laughs> stroke in brackets, character uh, to be on the show. <laughs> And um, and we wondered whether you would, um, you know, you would kind of audition for it. Mm. And so I said, I'd love to. And anyway, to cut a long story short, I was the only person asked out of the 11 people that went on to this show. And we uh, didn't know where we were going or what the show was about. We all assumed we were off to Borneo or the desert or the, you know, the Arctic or an, an island. We ended up. Um, being shoved on a blacked out coach uh, at, at an airport in Gatwick in the morning, drove, drove around for two hours, assumed we were all, you know, catching a flight to somewhere exotic. And we ended up being dumped on a landfill in Croydon. So I don't know which is worse, being in Croydon or being on the landfill. Sorry to anybody that lives in Croydon, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And um, that was it. So the show was called Dumped. It was on Channel 4. Um, I was currently uh, working in, in sales, in publishing, really just to kind of fund my music career. Mm. Um, and the show had such a huge impact on me. It was the dark side of, you know, any shopping platform or any high street that we uh, consume from. And, you know, this is the place that, you know, nobody thinks about when we're buying stuff. Nobody really cares about. We just throw things away thinking it's going away. The, the problem is there is no away. You know, we are currently shipping our waste off to countries that can't handle it. Mm. And it was, at that time, it was going to landfill. And so we had to live on a landfill for three weeks in Croydon. We had to build somewhere to eat, somewhere to sleep, somewhere to go to the toilet, somewhere to shower and, you know, out of other people's waste. And so what really became a resource to us was what people were throwing away. So the show was really impactful. And after about... Um, after the first three days, I mean, I couldn't sleep. It was rancid in terms of stench. I couldn't oh, sleep. It was God, disgusting. Yeah. And then after about three days, this place became home. Mm. And it became an environment that we really, really embraced. And I looked at it kind of like, you know, there'd been the New Orleans disaster where they had that awful hurricane that just turned the whole city upside down and put loads of people out on the streets. We'd had the tsunami previous to that, which hundreds of thousands of people died in India and in Thailand. And so, you know, I just thought this situation that we're living in, this kind of, you know, squalor, if you like, is actually how people are living on the on the planet today. And so um, it changed me as a person. It made me uh, respect and review my life in a completely different way. And after that, I committed and there's some more experiences that I can share if we want to go deeper. But. On, on the show, I committed that I would dedicate my life's work, not only personally, but in business, to educating, transforming, inspiring other human beings to live more consciously and become aware of what we now know is a climate crisis. Mm. In 2006, when this show happened or when we were on there, mm. no one really even knew what sustainability meant, let alone climate crisis. Yeah. And so I, I knew about publishing, I knew about building relationship with brands and I knew about selling advertising space. And so all of those kind of sweet spots in my career, um, I culminated and got them to focus on the projects and the products that we now um, do today. And so um, that was kind of, yeah, that was the, the beginning of the journey for me. But um, 
Yeah, and so I haven't looked back. I genuinely haven't looked back since that happened. And, you know, we now work with some of the biggest ethical, sustainable brands in the world, the Patagonias, the Interfaces, the, um, you know, Octopus Energies, you know, and I know them all at MD, CEO, you know, uh, director, C-suite level. And we are essentially building an ecosystem um, that is going to be better for people and planet. Yeah, fantastic. It's fantastic because it's a central hub for people to come to, to find out, to, you know, to understand, to learn. And like you say, you know, you've become part of a, a family, really, almost, isn't it, really, what you're doing there? Exactly, which is why we're called a pod, you know, because yeah. it's a pod of, it's a group of people and businesses yeah. that are all um, swimming in the same direction because yeah. uh, they want a better environment for our children. Ultimately, that's what this is about and our future generations. I'm quite selfish. I do this for my kids, uh, but by default, that means I've got to change it for everybody's kids. <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing a, a blinking good job, I have to say. And it's Oh, like, thank you. Uh, really good, really good. And you're such a nice person as well. You know what I mean? You can feel, feel your energy coming off you. So you're doing it. All, all, it's, all, it's, all, it's all coming from a good place. You know what? It takes one to see one. So you are um, <laughs> simply a reflection to how lovely you are. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I paid him, listeners. I paid him. <laughs> we can give each other that fiver later. <laughs> Exactly. I'm sure you mentioned there were another couple of experiences um, that you had when you were there, um, how the dump became your home. Um, and as well as the journal of biophilic design, um, you might know um, that I'm founder of PhotoA Global Foundation. It's a philanthropic uh, photo agency. And I worked in the slums in Mumbai and I saw how the piles of rubbish had become home to the rubbish pickers. There was a whole network community, like, you know, whole villages. Um, and it really hit home to me seeing them all piled up. Um, you know, just how plastics don't go anywhere. Now, I know you had a couple of experiences about how you felt the earth, um, how you felt like it was in pain. Yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. So that, that, that this was the pivotal moment for me. And I think every human being on the planet has a purpose. Most of us just haven't found what that purpose is because we're always bombarded by you know all of the information that we're receiving on the outside so not many of us are willing to listen to what's happening on the inside so i was really well trained in listening to firstly my inner voice and secondly what the natural world was speaking of rather than the busyness of the media world which is you know which is we all know the frenzy that that creates and so there was this moment where um, a local dustbin truck went around the streets as it does in every city and every street every week to pick up our rubbish. It came to our site, which is by now we built, you know, somewhere to sleep in and a shower and a, you know, a, a solar powered um, facilities and things, amazing stuff. Mm. Um, and it dumped its, it dumped its, uh, its waste on our site. And we had to dress up in this kind of, you know, protective clothing, you know, COVID masks, gloves, the whole thing, and start siphoning through this stuff. And there were three bins. There was a compost bin, there was a recycling bin, and there was a Moscow to landfill bin, because that's where everything went back then. Now yeah. we've got better, better resources. But <clears throat> after about 20 minutes of literally kind of siphoning through this stuff and going, oh, that's glass, that needs to be recycled, that's plastic, that needs to go in the bin, blah, blah. I felt physically sick, like I had the worst headache. I was nauseous. I just, I just didn't, couldn't continue. I lost the will to continue. So I said to the cameras, I've got to stop doing this. I feel sick. I'm going to go and 
cleanse myself. I'm, so what I do because of my shamanic training, this kind of yoga, you know, kind of healing type training that I was well, well trained in, I laid on the earth. And what I do is I kind of, if you like, gather up, you know, consciously gather up the toxins and then release them back to the earth to be replenished and then take a huge deep breath up from the earth to, you know, to revitalize me, right? Anybody yeah. that has a spiritual practice will know this is a good way of grounding and clearing. So I did that. And as I breathed in and I took this huge breath in, I felt this like shock, like a bolt of lightning had gone through me, like, you know, real shock. And I heard these words, how you are feeling now is how I feel. I'm sick and I need your help to tell the world. And it was like, genuinely, it, I know I'm going to sound crazy, but it was like the earth had spoken to me, right? And it was in a voice that I was, you know, it wasn't on the outside. It was the kind of this yeah. inner voice, like, a, you know, like your mind's eye, like an inner ear. And I cried. I wept because it had such an effect on me. And um, I immediately committed to camera that I'd dedicate my life's work to, um, to helping people um, find purpose um, deal with a climate crisis and live in a live in a better way. Now there were loads of stories like this. You know there were biblical stories of 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 people hearing voices, and there are modern day voices, and there are musicians, and there are all kinds of people. This is the norm. It has to be the norm, else we're not going to get out of the other end of this this crisis that we're in. So I'm a big believer that not only is the climate crisis uh, an important um, evolutionary step for humanity, nature is teaching us something. It's teaching us how if we all lived our purpose, we committed that purpose to mitigating the climate crisis, and then we were totally willing to give that time till we'd fix the problem, the world would be a completely different place, right? Yeah. But that's part of what My Green Pod is about, is not only inspiring people to make life choices um, that are better for people and planet, but also to try and underwrite an opportunity for them to be able to connect with their purpose and then offer that skill set to mitigating the climate crisis. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Really, really do. I think what you're doing there is fantastic. Um, I think sometimes people don't know where to start. You know, it's like this huge, huge, massive thing. Um, you know, like you mentioned before, you know, we're bombarded by the media, we're bombarded by the sort of supermarket bling. Everything's wrapped in plastic. And, you know, we do want to make a change, but we, we don't know where to start. Um, I suppose biophilic design, from my point of view, is, you know, is, is in a built environment, is a really, really good place to start you know everybody can sort of do this at home you can bring some plants in you can use um sort of more natural renewable materials um in your home rather than using plastics or non-renewable materials for instance for a start um and you mentioned interface carpets um and things like that that are you know that have got patterns on this stuff so you know got like these sort of patterns of nature and you can surround yourself in your own environment whether that's you know your home or your workplace with with better stuff basically isn't it um, I mean, you know, the stuff that's not going to gas you <laughs> and kill you for a start, you know, but actually uplift you and inspire you to live a better life. Just to sort of go to circle back on the, my green pod and which products on there really stand out for you. I mean, maybe there's something that, you know, you might, somebody who's listening to this might be interested to have a look at, you know, might be eyebrow ra raising or, or outstanding or just something that's like just unusual. Yeah, great question. Well, um, got there's lots. Um, yes, I thought there might be. <laughs> I think, I think, I think that, um, the things that people find, and you, you covered this when you introduced the question, the things that people really, uh, really find digestible are quick wins, right? 
So the plastic issue became so mainstream because of Blue Planet and thanks to, you know, Sir David Attenborough and, you know, the BBC have really had a huge impact on creating awareness around the issues with plastic. So we have got, it's not very sexy uh, at all, but we've got these amazing, completely compostable uh, bin liners. Yeah. And they're affordable, they don't create any microplastic at all, completely compostable, naturally, right? So they're amazing. And yeah. they're, they're, you know, so they're, they're one of our biggest sellers on the site. It's a brand called Eco Living Green, but you can buy them through us. And they're, what I love about them is they're kind of this really bright fluorescent green. Like I've got, and they're kind of, they're kind of this color. And so they're, they're much more fun than your dingy black or gray, you know. So they're a bit of fun and they're really useful. Yeah. So that would be my kind of immediate switch product. Yeah. But if we got into, you know, I mean, there's, I, I've got this water bottle um, on the site, which is, I, I love it. They're beautiful, beautiful colors. And you know, for every one you buy, you're taking a thousand plastic bottles out of the water bottles out of the system. So you know, it's it's you know, it costs I think forty pounds, but it would save you the amount of you know a thousand bottles of water that you would buy. So of course, the costs are expensive but fun, but long term much 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 cheaper. So that's a really cool product. Um, and then, you know, I think, you know, the really sexy ones are things like, you know, smart batteries, you know, different ways of, of storing energy in your house and, you know, okay. stuff like that. So we've got a real varied bunch of things. But one of the things that I always say to people, and you've mentioned it because of the biophilia nature, the biophilic nature to this conversation, most people don't realize the cleaning products that they use in their homes um, are individually tiny, toxic, but, but the combination of, you know, the bleach and the spray and the surface cleaner and the whatever you'll use, a bathroom cleaner, kitchen cleaner, the, 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 the composition of all of those coming together creates a really toxic environment in your home. Mm. And so what I'm encouraging people to do now is just make one simple switch to a natural eco-based cleaning product that is better for your health, is going to clean the home, it's going to bring allow natural bacteria to stay alive in your home which you need and it's not going to do any damage to the oceans or to uh, the ecosystems mm -hmm. so that's a brand called delphis eco that we work with it's royally warranted the queen uses it she even <laughs> takes a little delphis eco travel pack on uh, trips with her uh, when she was traveling because none of us are now of course yeah. and so that's that's a product that i would highly recommend and what's beautiful about that is you buy it once yeah. And then you can just simply buy refills. Oh. And so, you know, you get a two litre refill every three to six months whenever you need it. And boom, you just fill up your bottle. So products like that are quick wins. Anybody can do them. Yeah. What most people don't realize is, is it's not the cost of the product itself. Mm. It's the cost per use. That's it. So if you're buying a cheaper product, you're going to have to use it a lot more because that's the nature of why it's so cheap, because they want you to keep buying it. If you invest in a better quality product, you'll use it less, whether it's skincare, shampoo, cleaning products, whatever it might be. But the cost per use, 
is normally a fraction of what it would cost you. That's the education that we've got to try and get across. It's a lifestyle shift. You know, there's so many cleaning products on shopping aisles, aren't there? I mean, you know, we, we just sometimes we just go and pick the same one up because we've been using it for years or we pick up the one that's on promotion. Um, and we don't really engage our brains. We don't really think about the impact that it's going to have. I mean, for years, I've been using eco cleaning products. And, and when I moved into this house, um, maybe I was a bit naive, but there were some cleaning products that were well, one one thing that was left. And I, I just didn't know how to dispose of it. So I kind of left it in the, in the cupboard. <laughs> um, but there was some muck on the cooker the other day. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, I wonder if that will actually work. Let's see what see what that does. And um, anyway, I sprayed it and oh, it was um, I felt like it was going into my lungs. Um, and I suppose, you know, just to kind of raise the point, really, that when you've not used chemical heavily laden chemical products for a long time and then you go back to them you really 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 notice um the change don't you um you you kind of almost you don't people don't realize that all the droplets that you're breathing in in these chemicals and you don't really notice it's affecting you because you've got used to it really haven't you yeah and most people don't realize they're breathing this stuff in and not even like you even registering that it's having an effect because it's they've got so used to it exactly. Um, exactly and and you know the 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 um accumulative effect of breathing in this stuff every day you yeah. know having a, a mattress at home that has got you know toxicity toxic chemicals in yeah. you know air pollution yeah. you know all of this stuff although you know the legal requirements are going into the products they say it's okay it's not it's the everyday use it's the concoction it's the you know so people really need to start thinking that these a lot of the brands that we buy from in in mainstream outlets and supermarkets they do not care about our health or our planet's health money yeah. they care about bottom line money and profits yeah and so we've got to completely adjust our economic and and uh, consumption system yeah. to be sustainable and, and, and eco-friendly. And that's what we do at My Green Pod. If you don't know where to start, come to My Green Pod. You can Google a bit of, uh, sorry, you can search for a little bit of information to read up, or you can search for a product that you want to switch. And every week, switch your product. And by the end of the year, you'll have 50 new products that are better for you and better for planet. Everybody go to My Green Pod. <laughs> that's an order <laughs> um maybe we can chat a little bit about the importance of biophilic design um about bringing the patterns of nature in as well you know obviously better air quality better lighting uh, better acoustics as well um you know trying to mimic the patterns of nature um, and also encouraging a stronger connection to nature too um during the covid period and we had this sort of enforced lockdown which forced a lot of people to go out and have a walk a lot of people walking in in nature, weren't they? Um, and you know, and sort of. I think also we started to see nature spread her wings in some way, um, start to heal herself, and her own environment. Uh, you know, people began to appreciate the natural world a bit more. Um, so, really, I just wanted to ask your opinion on that. What do you do? You think there's a sort of shift in mindset and connection to nature? Do you think people are um, sort of becoming closer to nature, uh, appreciating it more? Um, you know, taking steps to have a better life, maybe and maybe a nat more natural, nature-based life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't. Nature is running its PR campaign right now, um, and you know we are so ignorant and 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 believe that we are the kind of you know the the subspecies, the kind of great intellectual species. But nature is way more intelligent than we are. So of course, nature is, as I said, running its PR campaign so that people can remember. So um, I think we had the pivotal moment where uh, synapses, you know, people began to join the dots in, in, in terms of how we were living and how that was impacting 
the natural environment. And so I didn't think I would see that in my lifetime. But thankfully, this virus, which of course has come from nature, has gifted us an opportunity to stop and to reconnect. So yes, I do. Um, I think the big, big problem that we've got is the machine that drives the uh, what we call the economic system, which is getting us to buy stuff. So the problem is, is that nearly 80% of stuff that we buy is non-essential. Yeah. So what we saw in the pandemic is, is that we began to run out of things that were essential uh, to us, toilet paper <laughs> in the West. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I jest a little bit, but, but the point is, is that 80% of stuff that we are buying is completely irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Now, 60% of the problem and 60% of the cause that would fix the problem is human behavior. So nature is going to keep knocking on our door and giving us campaigns to make us remember how special and brilliant she is. So just the other day, we had a volcanic eruption that was a complete anomaly um, in the South Pacific um, that, swept, that literally took out villages um, on an island. Now, the anomaly is, is that nobody predicted it. It, it, the, the ash rose to 35 miles up into the atmosphere mm. and it caused a, a tsunami that nobody was prepared for, right? Mm. So that's nature advertising, mm. yeah? It's mm. going, okay, you guys don't seem to be waking up, so therefore I'm going to have to flick another trigger, flick another switch, make something else happen before it gets too late that I can't actually continue or commit to surviving if you are still going to be on the planet so one day if we don't clean up our act it will wipe us out completely mm. it seems like 98 percent of people are waiting for that to happen <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous yeah so i know it's a long-winded question answer to your question but i think nature is going to continue to go look at me look at me look at me help me to restore stop living chaotically and you know and so yeah and and, and uh, you know we're, we're quite uk centric in what we do but thanks to cop 26 happening in glasgow quite recently i'm be beginning to create quite a robust international community yeah. and so there's amazing things happening mm. so one of them in my area is if you buy from a brand that gives back to nature when you take so for our, our platform, every time you shop with us, we plant a tree in the tropics, which sequesters carbon 10 times more successfully than a tree in Scotland, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we put our money where it's most efficient. Mm -hmm. And that can be anywhere in the tropics, whether it's a tree, whether it's a mangrove, whether it's sea kelp. These are the, the best areas to sequester carbon. So if you're buying from a brand, make sure that they are giving back to nature when you take. That's where profits become really powerful and useful. Yeah. So it's conscious. It's conscious connection. So what we know is, is that ethical product uh, consumption rose by 30% in the UK last year uh -huh. and went to well over 100 billion in spend. Wow. So yes, people are definitely joining the dots. What's even more interesting is, is that every single commodity, every single product, every single supply and aspect in the supply chain to create wealth for businesses and brands comes from nature. Everything. Even if you're a service industry, 
you still have to rely on nature to provide your whatever it is for you to be able to sell something. Mm -hmm. So how is it that we've taken and taken and taken and taken and not even considered giving back to the very resource that funds our businesses? I mean, it's just a very simple, simple economic equation. Nature doesn't have a voice. I think that's an incredibly powerful thing that you said there. I think when you think about it, you know, all around the world, you know, people don't where, where people don't have a voice, you know, maybe it's through poverty or some other reason they're overlooked or ignored or abused. And actually, it's the same with nature. You're quite right. Um, I mean, that really was a really powerful thing that you said there that that nature doesn't have a voice. And there are those indigenous cultures that still live today that still hold the sacred relationship with with Gaia. They can, you know, they're custodians of nearly 80 percent of the ecosystems on the planet. So this, this, uh, you know, David Attenborough said it beautifully recently. Uh, I mean, we've been saying it for, uh, you know, over a decade, but he really has got the platform. Yeah. And he said recently, this is not a war against um, the climate. This is a war against the media. Mm-hmm. Because the media drive the narrative that yeah. drives consumption that is killing us. Yeah. And so this is now um, an opportunity for us to consider where are we spending our money? What are we supporting? And is that that contributing to the problem? In most cases, yes. Or are we part of a solution? So every single individual on this planet, whether you're rich or poor, can become a solution. And in the West, we've got to think about where's our money being spent? What pension funds are we contributing to? You know, that can have 17, if we moved our pension fund to an ethical investment fund, Mm -hmm. that can have up to 25 times more impact than switching to 100% renewable energy, for example, Mm -hmm. because it's such a vast amount of money um, that these funds contribute to. Mm -hmm. And so is that fund contributing to a fossil fueled industry? Or is it contributing to a restorative tree planting, you know, save the forest, save the Amazon, um, you know, funding? These are the things that we've got to be aware of and got to be considering that we're changing in our lives. You know, it's actually good. Some of these ethical funds are doing really well, actually. Now, they, you know, I mean, I've got an ethical fund and it's doing really well. Touch wood. You know, my job was saying that there's lots, it's easy to find wood in this house. <laughs> um, but to, actually talking of workspaces and where we are working, I mean, where you're working there is a fabulous workspace. And, um, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that and then sort of biophilic design. So people watching this on YouTube, um, on, under the Journal of Biophilic Design. Um, if you're not, then maybe Google it and have a look. Um, and do subscribe, please. <laughs> um, and also on the Journal of Biophilic Design.com, the video is embedded on, on, the, um, on the podcast uh, page. Um, but you can, you can see plants where you're working. And, um, and I know you know Oliver Heath, and uh, some of the people who are listening to this know I've interviewed him a few times, and he is like, well, he is not like he is Mr. Biophilic Design. Um, I mean, what he creates is some is a you know fantastic um, advocate, proponent, and genius when it comes to um, biophilic design and creating different solutions for for different uh, spaces. But I know he's worked with you, and I know he's a friend of yours as well. But can you tell us a little bit about your space and maybe a little bit of, about the elements um, that 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 that's um, included in there? Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I'm, I, I guess it's different for me because I, I guess I'm the kind of co-founder of the, 
company. So how it feels to work here, I should ask some of the staff to come in and talk to you, some of the team. But um, Oliver is a, you know, he's my best friend. I'd consider him as my best friend. He's, you know, we've done loads of stuff together over the years. Um, we met at, at the P Awards, the People Environment Achievement Awards. He came and he became a host for them and we just became really good friends. So clearly he's like the god of biophilic design and, you know, is an ambassador for, for change. And so I just said, look, we've got a new office. We've been given some match funding uh, by the Yorkshire, uh, actually the Leeds, the LEP group. I can't remember exactly what it stands for, but anyway, it's government funded. Uh, so we got a really big chunk of money to be able to invest into this kind of 80s building. I mean, the people, the previous tenants had been here for 15 years and they hadn't renovated it in that, all that time. So it, it just looked drab. And so Oliver came in and he goes, wow, yeah, what a space. <laughs> and then what he did is he really got into the DNA of our business. You know, what are we about? You know, what, what are we trying to achieve? And he essentially, uh, through biophilic design and, and the brands like Interface and uh, Apple Tree and various, you know, earthborne paints and people like that, he created this, if you like, sacred space for us to be able to... Um, you know, really consciously um, be reminded of what our business is all about, which is about fun. It's about sustainability. It's about respecting and living in harmony with nature. Mm. And that's what he's done. Yes, we used a lot of upcycled stuff. So, you know, for example, there were desks that we could get access to. There were chairs that we could get access to. So we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, but everything that needed to be new um, you know, we kind of really, really went through the process with Oliver to get the very best that we could. Mm. Um, so, for example, you'll see those wooden slats that the plants are hanging down from. Yeah. We built those into the aesthetics. We didn't want to have separate rooms, but we wanted to have separate sections. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a part, and I can send you some pictures of this. There's a part around here where we've got reclaimed pallet woods on the walls, which just creates that kind of, you know, as you say, wood is really important to have in, in your buildings to really be a defense against some of the some of the toxic concrete and and everything else that we've got um and so uh, interface carpets all the way through and we went for this kind of garden design so it's a bit like you know this kind of garden feel here and slab feel there and yeah. so it really is you know when i always watch people when they walk into the office and the first thing they do they walk in yeah. and they light up you know they kind of light up and like like, you know, the sun does in the morning, you know, like a flower does in the morning to the sun, should I say. They're kind of, wow. And, you know, and that's what we want to get is people to come in and go, I've just been touched and it makes make me made me feel better. That's what Oliver's been able to create for us. I talk a lot about um, how the visual, you know, the sort of visuals in the space makes you feel, um, you know, for instance, that feeling that you get when you see an amazing view of nature it know. is and we've had yeah we've got a live wall it's actually it's been such a such a mission to try and keep it you know alive and you yeah. know it's quite dark in here I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna spin my screen around to show you it's, it's actually just sitting oh, wow, here look at that. That's and cool. you can see it's it yeah and it's you know it, it's you know when you've got a project like that in in the office you know it's like it's like you're kind of, you know, the business is our baby and it's now kind of, you know, kind of 10 years old, I guess. And now we've got these different plants and these different things that are also now our baby. So we're constantly in relationship and nurturing and, you know, co-creating. And that's, you know, that's, that's what life's about, isn't it? 
Totally, absolutely, totally is. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the P Awards? Um, you know, so people can go and look at your site and find out a little bit more about the brands and the people that you're celebrating, really. Um, I know you've there's been some really um, groundbreaking um, people um, that you've celebrated. I mean, maybe you can tell, tell us a little bit about one or two. Yeah, totally. So I, as you know, I'm a musician and I was, yeah, I used to go invited to the Brits and the mobile awards and all these different events. And I always came away feeling a bit disappointed, not because I hadn't won an award, <laughs> but, 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 but because the people that seem to be getting the awards were always from the companies that had the biggest marketing budgets. Right. And that just left a bad taste in my mouth consistently. So I thought, well, isn't it time we honoured the real unsung heroes, the real people that are actually the heroes of our of our time? Um, and so we created the P Awards and P stands for People, Environment, Achievement. It's an acronym. So we call it the P's. And it was really about honouring people, not brands, honouring people, not organisations, honouring teams um, and not, product, you know, not not uh, organised, you know, not the brand name. And so that kind of turned the whole thing on its head for me. And that was brilliant because, you know, it's humans now that are driving businesses. It's even in marketing now, you've got to come up with the story that's going to be human. It's like, you know, it's very clever stuff that's going on. But so we were really ahead of the game and we're 12 years in. So this is to be our 12th year this year. And um, this year we're holding a conference as well during the day. Anybody can enter our awards. It's free to enter. So if you know, if you are a climate activist, a sustainability guru, you know, you've got a community project going on, whatever industry you're in, whether it's art or finance or business or whatever, you can enter our awards or enter somebody into them for free, right? And so the stories that really stand out for us are, I remember one of the very first inspirational people that I met was a lady called Deborah Patterson. I think it was the first year of our awards. She worked at the Savoy Hotel. It, she, was the, she was the PA to the CEO of the Savoy. And it was when the Savoy shut down for 10 years for refurbishment, massive, massive project. And she took it upon herself to make sure that as they were refurbishing the Savoy Hotel, it had was underwritten with the, as, as, as sustainable as it possibly could be. Mm. There was no job role. Mm. There was no position. She wasn't being paid to do it, but she had the CEO's ear and she made sure that that happened. So she essentially moonlighted in her own job by creating this, this uh, environment. And, mm. and so the Savoy was actually repurposed in many ways with a much more sustainable uh, way. Now that was... 11 years ago so she was incredibly pioneering right so she won an award because it was just like why would you not honor an amazing person like this yeah. and then I, I guess you know perhaps more current um there's a lady called polly higgins who's a, a, a lawyer and she set up the um the law eco side she campaigned and campaigned and campaigned for years she's now passed she died uh in 2019 um and she spent her whole life and her whole, sorry, her whole legal career fighting to get this new law called Ecocide into the legal system, which has now been passed. Mm. And it was, it passed after she was, uh, she passed away, but her partner Jojo continues to run that campaign now. So Ecocide is like genocide. It's like if you break a law against the natural world by, you know, 
oil spills or cutting trees down where you're not allowed to, whatever it might be, then you can be taken to court, a criminal court, and and be have a, have the, the passed a, um, a, a law of ecocide against the crimes that you've committed. That's incredible, right? So she won once when she was alive, and then we honoured her again the year that she died because unless we have these types of laws in our system, people will just continue not to care mm -hmm. until it becomes a, a legal requirement. So we're beginning to see that now. Um, yeah. And, you know, there were loads of horror stories of big, big companies, you know, uh, big oil companies that knew that the seas were going to rise. They knew 30 years ago that the seas were going to rise, didn't tell anybody about it, but they built all their, um, uh, all their um, uh, oil refineries in the seas on bigger stilts because they knew it was going to happen, but, but forgot to tell humanity, the people that it's going to affect. So this is disgusting behavior. And, and so, you know, we've got to get clued up and we've got to retaliate peacefully that we're not going to stand up for this stuff anymore. No. So, you know, they're the kind of people that we honor, are people that are just you know, angels, as far as I'm concerned, that have come, you know, and, and bless their skill set to uh, wanting to change something. So sorry, I'm waffling, but it's really moving stuff. I think yeah. the awards are fantastic. And um, yeah, um, when so the deadline for this year? If people yeah, so normally we um, at, at the end of August, and then we hold the event in October, and um, we're looking at to doing it at the NEC this year. Um, and we're going to have a conference during the day and then the awards in the evening. And on the same weekend is the One Earth show, which is going to be the first um, ex kind of exhibition people show where anybody can go and find out more, more kind of lifestyle changes and products and organisations that we all need to switch to. So it's a bit like Grand Designs or something like that, but an eco, an eco show. Um, I'm just conscious of the time and I, I could talk to you for ages about so many things and um, as I said we are going to talk about your music just very briefly and um, one of the you know obviously you've sent me um, like the album to choose from and stuff is there a track on there that you'd you'd like me to highlight for you and then I'll, I'll kind of I'll put that as well on on the uh, on, on the podcast too so is well, that's nice why? which one yeah which thank one? you there is uh, I mean we dedicate I wrote a song called planet um, which is really about you know kind of what's going to happen to us eventually if we don't kind of clean up our act yeah. um, and what we decided to do was dedicate every single play um to planting trees so we're taking no no money out of it at all so every time planet if you google uh, or search on spotify or amazon or itunes search for the phoenix rose a song called planet and just put it on loop just put it on repeat because we all subscribe to these services and every time we play a track, the artist gets a little bit of money. So we did. So we donated every play um, of Planet to Planting Trees with our charity partner, Tree Sisters. So I'd encourage everybody now, when you go to bed at night, put Planet on, turn the volume down, put it on repeat, and it, through the night, it will rack up a few pounds that we can donate to Planting Trees in the tropics. If millions of us did that, we'd be taking money back from the big corporations like Apple and Amazon and and, and Spotify, 
and 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 giving it back to the planet so that, that's got to be a quick win right yep i absolutely love it and um i've put the music i've put that uh the planet music behind this section of the podcast as well so you can you can listen to a bit of it there but do go to spotify and amazon and stream it so that um you can generate some money for planting more trees which is great so yeah as he said put it on while you're asleep <laughs> so We've um, we've actually come to the end of the podcast, Ooh. Um, and I'd love to talk to you about loads and loads of things, and um, we could we could actually deep dive into so many many different things. Um, but for now, and uh, regular listeners of this podcast will know that I ask everybody um, at the end of the podcast um, what your um, if you could if you could paint the world with a magic brush of biophilia, what would it look like? Oh, what a great question. You know, as immediately as you start talking about magic and um, amazing stuff, I've got a five-year-old daughter, Vivi, who lives in the world of unicorns and cheetahs. And I mean, just like she's Amazonian meets, meets unicorns. And, um, and uh, what, what the vision I get when you ask that question is, is that we've really, we've tried to shape our planet um, in a way that clearly isn't, isn't healthy for the planet or for us. What would happen if we just let everything rewild and regrow and restore? You know, when I when people say to me this biblical vision of heaven on earth, that's how it would have been before man got in the way. All the flowers would have grown naturally, all the plants would have grown naturally. It would all be, you know, it would be completely natural and biophilic in its design, because that's what nature is. So I see this vision that we describe as heaven on earth, where all the flowers and the plants and everything seasonal is allowed to do what it is. And we just walk around kind of barefoot, breathing in and eating fresh fruit off the plants and breathing in these amazing smells that we get when we walk past a florist, right? That's my perfect vision of, 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 of you know, living this biophilic natured way of being again. Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.